Welcome back to the First for Hunters podcast presented by Safari Club International. On this episode, I'm traveling to the eastern shore of Maryland to hunt rabbits with Charles Rodney, a rabbit hunting legend. Toughing out the snowy conditions, tag along as we let the hounds loose, beat the bush, and get close to shooting our limit. Share a memorable hunt with us and experience the thrill of rabbit hunting. Tune in as we sit down with Charles Rodney to discuss many rabbit hunting stories and what he believes to be the future of the sport. Hey everybody, Ben Cassidy, First for Hunters podcast, coming to you live from the eastern shore of Maryland, Dorchester County, where we're going out on a rabbit hunt with nobody better than the rabbit man himself, Charles Rodney. He's a single species hunter, rabbits are nothing. We're an all species organization. I can't wait to see how today goes. Join us. Find him! Rabbit! Rabbit! I'm coming back. That's why there you, go. you gotta always follow up. And when the dogs stop hunting, we call that pulling up. After you done shot, pull up. When you when they pull up, the rabbit is down somewhere. So you go and you help them search. A lot of time these dogs will find them and bring them out, but other time you can find them. So I know the signals of every behavior of the dogs, okay? Pulling up. So if you hunt with somebody and say the dogs pull up after shot, the rabbit is down. They're not gonna chase him because there's no more scent line. Let's go and hit that again. just wrapped up an incredible morning of rabbit hunting with none other than the rabbit man himself, Charles Rodney. I just can't say how humbled and honored and blessed I feel for having just spent the morning with you and now being able to, to, to catch up after the hunt because I don't think that there'd be anyone else that anyone should ever go on their first rabbit hunt with than Mr. Charles Rodney Sr. So welcome on to the First for Hunters podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. It, it was a joy and a pleasure to be able to take all of you guys out on a rabbit hunt, uh, to learn about it, to experience it. And we did, all of you did quite well. And I'm going to tell you this right now. You get with Phil Hoon and we can repeat this again next season. Hey, pencil me in. I know that you've got a busy schedule. We were, we were joking in the... In the in, in, out in the field in the woods about, you know, folks coming up saying, how can I book with you? It's like, that's not really quite an option. <laughs> you know, you've got limited days to do it and you're, you're getting it done. It is, it is not an option anymore <laughs> for a number of reasons. First of all, I'm not a guide. I'm not an outfitter. I'm just a guy who's been doing this for 60 plus years and I'm very passionate about it. So I take a lot of people hunting my February calendar stays filled with the same four, five, six people who get Saturdays. Phil gets a Saturday and President's Day, and they do not want to get out of the line, the lineup. So you have to go in 
ask me for November, December, January, but I'm trying to cut back because I just had a birthday and I'm 74 and I'm slowing down a tad. Well, I did not see that in the field. At least your, you know, instincts are, are 100% there. You're a crack shot. You and your buddy Jeffrey, who I mean, I just don't think anything got out of there alive that crossed Jeffrey's path. Uh, it's just uh, incredible to see. So Jeffrey that we were shooting with, you became friends recently-ish. We became friends, oh, maybe seven, eight years ago. We met at the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation banquet in September of whatever year that was. He came on, and he was working then, and he came and he had one day from work, and he said, I got one day, and I call a favor of a friend in Cambridge, and we went out, and we immediately kill our limit, and he said, I'm coming back. So he came back, and we hunted, then COVID came, and he didn't hunt for a couple of years, and now he's back. He comes January and February each season, and I try to book a number of nice hunts so when he comes and he drives up, he stays with my wife and I, and he's a great, great house guest and a great friend. Well, I imagine that you've made a lot of friends um, through hunting, through rabbit hunting. Uh, I, don't, I can't imagine there's anyone that says, you know, okay, that was a good time. Um, check the box. I'm moving on. I imagine there's a lot of repeat customers. Well, over the years, and I'll say this, over a period of 20, 25 years, I've been taking a lot of people hunting. And I take a lot of people hunting. And I don't charge anybody nothing. I don't look for anything other than a smile on their face. And many of these people I've become friends with. We do things on the outside. Uh, I belong to many of the, the groups that they are involved in, Ducks Unlimited, Maryland Bull Hunters, Maryland Fur Trappers, uh, Rocky Mountain Elk, and I don't hunt any of those things. I don't do any of those things. I am a rabbit hunter and a rabbit hunter only. I don't own any bows and I don't own any big rifles and all of those things. I own shotguns with number six and number seven and a half. So I only hunt rabbits, and that's my passion. And these people ask me, and they bring friends, just like I met many, many people through Phil Hoon and from a variety of organizations, and many people get to come back on repeat times, once, twice, some, uh, many times, and they call me, and I try to get them all in. I try to work the schedule. I know everybody's schedule who can come on Saturday, who can't come during the weekdays, et cetera, et cetera. I, I kind of have a, a pretty good memory, and I enjoy treating them. And we're, we're now getting some young people to come with their dads, okay? So that's cool. That's great. That's great. And, uh, I mean, you're such a, a giver in terms of your time, your knowledge, your experience, getting new folks out into the field. Uh, how did you get into rabbit hunting, though? Like, did you have a mentor? Well, my mentor, I grew up in Louisiana. I stayed there until I was 22, then I came here for a federal job and marriage. So my older brother, Francis, who long deceased, would take me in the field. We, we lived on a farm, and we would walk right behind the house, and you could go back then, and you just go back and... We had a couple of old yard dogs that would get up one or two rabbits, nothing like these dogs here. So he mentored me at eight. I would follow him. I wasn't allowed to carry a shotgun, and I would walk with a bag, a little sack, and carry whatever he killed. He'd kill squirrels, rabbits, raccoon, sometimes some birds of some sort, 
because they had a lot of them then. So he mentored me and it stuck. He taught me how to hunt and how to fish at eight years old. So it stuck. And I've been doing this for, since I moved to Maryland, I picked up with a couple of my wife's uncles who took me on some small spots. Then when the children, we have three grown children. And when they were in elementary school and high school, I quit because my attention was to them. Then as they started graduating from high school and in college, I started back. And I would hunt with a guy who had some dogs. And I told my wife, I like this. I'm going to get my own dog. So I got some dogs. They weren't that great because I didn't know how to select them good. I was learning. So, But I learned from some veteran guys who taught me a lot in Maryland how to select dogs, how to do this with dogs, and how to get rid of dogs when they're not doing so. So now I've become really good at it in selecting dogs and having a good pack. So I learned from my brother, and it just perpetuated on, perpetuated on, and I pass it on to people, and I want to pass it on to a bunch of young people because at my age, my, my days of doing this may be numbered, but it may not. I have a friend who's 93 years old, and he's still hunting and still raising dogs, and I told him, you're nothing but a ray of sunshine that you can do this Amazing. at 93. So there you go. Tell me more about the folks that you mentor now. I, I, I know you mentioned um, <clears throat> you have one person that you've been mentoring recently. Well, recently I've been mentoring a lady who um, worked with my wife 20-some years ago. And for the last, she was supposed to come today, but she wasn't feeling good. And I mentored her. This would be year number four. And she's become really good. And I don't know if this is about women, but she pays good attention and she's focused, she learned a lot, she's a good shot, she will only use a 410 over and under. This year she's killed, she killed five rabbits with five shots with that 410, so what can I say? And she is good at it, she's a dog lover, and she goes with me and she learned how to clean, clean the rabbits, and she's very enthused about it. I'm just sorry she wasn't here today. So I'm mentoring her, and then I have some friends who have some little boys Oh, 8, 9, 10, 11. So we can't wait until they get old enough to take the safety course and their, their parents will put a shotgun in their hand. But they, they go run the dogs with me because the dogs are already trained. We don't train them. They're already trained, so we go run them. So I mentor her. I mentored some others. And there are a lot of folks who come and... They may not feel mentored, but they are mentored. These are veteran hunters who hunt all sorts of other big game. A lot of waterfowl, a lot of elk and moose. And some of these guys have the privilege to go out of the country and hunt other things. But when they come rabbit hunting, I'm mentoring them because just like you guys, I, I give you a safety explanation and an explanation on how the hunt will proceed and what to expect because I want you to be successful and I want you to be safe. So I do the same thing with them. The difference in, in, in those guys hunting the big game, they might wait all day, and I'm not being critical, they might wait all day for one shot on some big animal with a lot of antlers and so forth, but when you rabbit hunt, these dogs are going to get in the bushes and they're going to push them and they're going to be popping out all over and you're going to get an opportunity to shoot a lot. And that happened today. Everybody got an opportunity to make some kills and of course, Comes with it, made some misses too. <laughs> sure. Including myself. <laughs> I didn't see many of those though. Yeah, I didn't expect uh, to be running at some points. You know, trying to get ahead of the dogs, trying to get into position. I mean, it's active. You're out there moving. 
And those, I mean, like you said when we were doing the safety briefing, you know, the rabbits make a very good point to not get killed, right? They are elusive. It's brown. They're brown. The ground is brown. The bushes are brown. The, the, the logs that are laying are brown. So they use the camouflage to their advantage, and they use their speed and their stealth to get away from you. And I, as I said before, a rabbit will make the best hunter and the best shot look bad on your best day. So you, if you miss, you just suck it up, and you can redeem yourself later. Yeah, I think that Elmer Fudd gets a bad rap. You know, it's not as easy as it looks. So I've taken note. Let's talk about the dogs a little bit. Well, these dogs, this is, oh, a, a good pack. They're working three dogs, Ransom, Jim, and Sammy are four years old. Pee Wee is three. Hobo, uh, Shorty is three. Pee Wee and Hobo are two. Pee Wee and Hobo are litter mates and... Uh, Shorty is their brother, but a year older. Five of my dogs come from my friend Bo Acard in Louisiana. Due to COVID, we shipped them up untried, but I trust him. Mm. When you buy dogs from quality people, and he is a quality person, you're going to get quality dogs. And Jim, I bought from the 93-year-old fellow um, who wanted to get rid of dogs. They're all males. Now, I don't name them because they're already named. If I had them as pups, I would probably change all of their names. But So people ask me this. How do you get those names? I say they're <laughs> named already because when I get them, they're a year old. They've already started. They've been shot over. And so what I do, I work them in and I mesh them in with an existing pack of the same speed. As you know, when they're running, they're all together. They're all medium speed. You want dogs that are the same speed. If you're going to hunt fast dogs, then they all should be fast. If you're going to hunt slow dogs, they all should be slow. If you're going to hunt medium dogs, they should all be the same speed because the last thing you want is to have two dogs 100 yards away and the rest of the dogs behind because that's not good. You want them to run that rabbit and put pressure on that rabbit whether they're doing it fast, slow, or medium. So um, those are good dogs. They're all purebred. They're healthy. I take good care of them. And even after the season, two weeks, two weeks after the season, which is the last day of February, we're going to go running. And running is we'll just go out in the morning. Instead of having a gun, we'll have a stick. And we'll run two or three rabbits. And they're a team. They're just like a football team or a baseball team that go to spring training or a football team go to mini camp. They, they, they run, they exercise. I see who's doing what, who's not doing the right thing. And so you, you take corrective action, you keep them in shape, and you keep it in front of them. You have to do this because if you let them lay in the pen for too long a period, then they get lethargic, they get fat, they lose interest, okay? So you've got to run them. That's why they are so good. And they come from a, some quality people. So quality people raise quality dogs. And my friend, breed them, raise them, train them, et cetera, near Baton Rouge, so... Give him a shout out. Amen. Yeah, when you hear that high pitched bark, I mean the adrenaline just goes off. You 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 know that they're right. <laughs> well, I I told all of the hunters, I said, I will tell you when a rabbit is up. 
Now, Hobo and Pee they they have a like a scream, and they scream, and when they scream, it's a rabbit, and the other dogs pack into the bark and so forth. So many times I tell people, the sound of a good pack of beagle hot on a rabbit chase is better than a big band orchestra. Amen to that. Oh man, so many memories from today. I mean, I'm gonna talk about this hunt for years to come, no doubt about it. Tell us though, tell the listeners about a hunt for you, you know, that really just stands out in your mind. Well, there was, I have so many because hunting season starts from the first Saturday in November to the last day of February. Now there are some periods of time during the deer gun season that we don't hunt for safety because those guys are using high power shell. I just don't go in the woods. And then there's some other times where we might be hunting somewhere and they, they're hunting waterfowl and people say, well, I don't want you in there with those dogs because you're gonna scare the ducks and the geese. But I have so many epic hunts. I'll tell you one we had a few weeks ago. We were hunting near Cambridge, Maryland. We are hunting on, on, these guys have a, a waterfowl and a sicker deer lease. And it was a cut field, grass about maybe three inches high. Dorchester County is a low county, so standing water, there are a lot of marshes, a lot of rivers, and we were hunting on the banks of a river, so there was a narrow sliver of land. And the rabbits could not go but about 20 feet before they hit the water. And so we lined up on this sliver, and I told the fellas, every time we hit a high spot, that's where the rabbits are. And we hit about five high spots. And we went 15 for 15. The dogs jumped 15. And we killed 15. It was five of us. So that was awesome. And we did it in about uh, two and a half hours. And another hunt we had not far away. A friend of mine has a farm with a big ditch. In Maryland, they call that hedgerow where water runs through it from the town of Cambridge. And they had mowed the other side and only one side where the rabbits are. Now we have hunted in this ditch and killed our limit in no time. That day we started at 8.30 and by quarter to 10, we had our limit of 16. And we quit, that's the limit in Maryland, four per person and it was four of us. And the dogs never stopped, that was last year. The 15 for 15 was just a few weeks ago. So those are very awesome hunts. Amazing. You still get down to Louisiana to hunt? I don't go to Louisiana to hunt anymore. I stopped maybe 12 years ago um, because I have so many places here and the rabbits are very, uh, very populous here. And I have access to many nice forms uh, the benefit of people that I've become friends friends with and we've become associates. So I don't have to go down there. Plus, when I was going to Louisiana, a couple of the guys started complaining too much. And they weren't appreciative of the good things that we were having. And they were complaining, oh, we only killed 12 rabbits. I said, 12 rabbits? That's a lot. And before I knew Phil and a whole bunch of other people that he's introduced me to and I met through the state, we were hunting and we would, if we killed three or four, we were happy. 
I said, you guys don't know how blessed you are. 12, these are swamp rabbits. These are those big rabbits. They're twice the size wow. of the Maryland rabbits. Okay. And I said, you guys are not counting your blessing. So they complained so much. And the guy that we were hunting with, you could never please him. I said, I came to have fun. I didn't came to hear all of this negativity. So I kept telling my wife I wasn't going. So I went the next year. And then I went one more year. And then I said, I'm not going. So I stopped going, even though I have family there. I have a sister there, and I have a bunch of nieces and nephews there and people I grew up with. I just don't go. I would say the rabbit habitat here in Maryland where I go is excellent. We hunt. Today we hunted a, a kind of a bottom area, uh, bushes that kind of sloop down. We call that a slough, where it's, it's kind of low uh, enclave, and it got water running in the middle and briars all over on the top. And then we went to some flat spots where it was briar fill, big hedgerow. And in many places we hunt, we hunt hedgerows. We do not hunt the big woods because the rabbits cannot survive in the big woods. So they need cover. We are privileged to have in Maryland a lot of cover, like here with briars, intermixed with grass, uh, small trees, old down trees and logs. In some places, they, they, they will top off some trees and you leave the cover, and the rabbit love that after it gets old. So we go places, and they're just loaded with it because they got to have cover briars and honeysuckle where they can run and hide from the predators because Maryland is loaded with hawks and eagles. We got a big population of bald eagles here, and they, they love meat, and they can spot a rabbit from hundreds of yards away. So the habitat here is excellent. Made for one incredible day. And again, it just goes back to like <clears throat> such an incredible experience. Would never want to see this sort of thing lost. You know, so I wanted to really kind of round us out, get an idea from you, you know, how you see, you know, the future of rabbit hunting. Well, I'm one of the few people that do it intently because a lot of rabbit hunters probably have died off. There are still some guys that's doing it. I have some friends that are doing it. I would like to push it as much as I can because it's a good sport. It's a good way for young people to learn first how to be safe and understand the outdoors. Not only are we rabbit hunters, but we are conservationists because we eat what we kill, we don't overkill, we don't kill outside of our limit, and we take care of the land that we hunt on, we get the privilege to hunt on. And we encourage the landowners who we have the privilege of hunting on their property to leave some cover and tell them what kind of cover to leave. All right. Well, one thing that you taught me today was that when a rabbit's busted out, it runs full circle. So to bring us full circle on our conversation, I want to hear from you, the rabbit man, on what you see as the future of rabbit hunting. It's good because a lot of people didn't realize that it was there and you can have so much fun doing it, okay? Hey, count me in that mix. You know, going forward, you can call me a rabbit hunter. You've converted me. And I just want to say thank you so much for your generosity, your wisdom, sharing this, the time. I mean, just before we went out, you gave us a, a safety course, you know, 
and that was fun. <laughs> like, you know how to do this so well, and there couldn't be a better, you know, apostle for, for, for rabbit hunting. So I, as, as you've been such a great host, I want to be able to make sure that as we close out that you're able to have final word. But really appreciate it, Charles. I want to thank you for you, SCI, Phil Hoon, and others uh, who have helped push Jason from Winchester and Ben O'Brien and many, many others who have helped me push rabbit hunting uh, to a new level. And the people who allow me and I have made friends with, uh, because I visit them throughout the year, many of them, and I take them things. My wife and I are cooks and we bake and we make Louisiana dishes and a lot of the people like them. And uh, my wife make a sakatumi cake. We buy these sweet potato pies. I make Louisiana pecan praline and a, a lemon meringue pie that people wait in line for. And I take them to these people and they love them. It's, thank, it's a little thank you for them, but the main thing that folks need to realize and I realize it, I am blessed. Maybe I've been single out, but I am blessed by the people I've met who've opened themselves, opened their friendship and their friends' friendship and their association and their land to let us come and hunt and enjoy. And everything that we kill is eaten by somebody. I have a freezer. I'll give away 35, 45 rabbits to those who cannot hunt who never hunt, but who love them. I am blessed tremendously. And when you give, it comes back to you. And a lot comes back to me all the time, which I am appreciative and I give thanks for. Thank you. Thank you back at you, Charles. Really, really appreciate it. I look forward to the recipes coming over, right? I want that Louisiana gravy. Well, I I've got one. four rabbits I in the cooler. One. I just need one recipe, that's all. Okay. I'll give it to you. By the time I get to the fourth rabbit, I'll have perfected it, hopefully, right? Sure. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us on this uh, episode of the First for Hunters podcast. What an incredible morning. What an incredible experience. Uh, I'm just looking forward to, to continuing to get out there, and I just feel really great about the future of hunting with folks like you doing thank what you're you. doing every day. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you.